everybody, and welcome to the FYI podcast, where we talk about everything faith, life, and adulting. So we want to talk about you and what you're going through. We want to hear about that. We also want you to ask questions. So Josiah, we know that we kick off each episode of this, right? I'm Micah Keneally, by the way. This is my husband, Josiah. Sorry. There we go. There we go. <laughs> hey, and it's raw. It's real. What you see is what you get with us. And uh, we take questions. And before we dive into this week's questions, right. we just want to say thank you to every listener. It's a joy to come into your drives, your stereo, just really your life. Thanks mm-hmm. for subscribing, rating, reviewing this show. It helps us reach more listeners with the message of FYI podcast. And That's speaking right. of reviews, um, I just want to read a review that somebody gave us five stars and this individual said timely and needed. So excited for the launch of this podcast that will help address some of the key issues facing college students Mm. and young adults. They said, if you are a college student or doing distance learning with online education, I encourage you to tune in. So if you're a college student, if you're a young adult, if you're working remotely, Mm -hmm. you need some encouragement, a faith me up. That's right. These launch every Friday Mm -hmm. to help you launch into the weekend strong. And um, today's question is a big one. Usually we listen to one audio recording from one young adult, Mm -hmm. but this question has come in from a variety of people, at least a half dozen or so people Mm -hmm. have asked this. And what's the question today? Well, this is a challenging question. I think it's it, it it's for every human listening, probably male, female, married, single, dating, engaged, whatever that situation is. So here's a question. How can I overcome my temptation? Great question, challenging question. And I think particularly they're referring to lust and pornography. That's kind yeah. of the gist that we got from this one. Probably more than a dozen questions were alluding to this very same question. Yeah. So we brought it all together and that's kind of what you guys are asking. So I want to kick it off right there. And disclaimer, we said this before in previous episodes, we're in week three, by the way, Mm -hmm. of our February relationships series, and we're having fun. We're taking your questions. So if you want to leave a question, you can DM us on Instagram, Mm -hmm. FYI podcast, or go to www.fyi-podcast.com. And we've said it before that we're not the experts. We don't know everything. We just turn to the word of God. And we look at our own experience, church history, scripture, and um, reasoning as well to look at just what God has to say Mm -hmm. to speak through us. We'll bring guests on the show from time to time as well. But one of the greatest challenges facing people in general in our world today is pornography. This is not just a guy struggle or a gal struggle. It's a human nature struggle and a sin struggle. Well, yeah. And just right off the bat, we just want to say that we are designed and created by God in his image as male and female to have sexual desires, right? So if you're listening to this and you have a sex drive, it's probably because you're created by God, right? God designed you. He created you and he knows. But the biggest thing I think that we need to uncover today and the question behind the question is truly, how do I tame my heart? 
How do I tame those urges? How do I tame my thoughts, those sexual desires? And let's just say those are not bad things in general. It's when they run wild and they run rogue is when we find ourselves in situations, relationships, scenarios that we should have never stepped into into and never opened up that can of worms essentially. So hopefully we can just speak to you and your situation. We don't want to overlook the fact that you might be hurting, you might be broken, you might be lost, you might be experiencing the deep implications of pornography, whether they were your decisions or of your family tree. Maybe you've been exposed to them by friends and family at age 8, 10, 12, whatever. Those are the statistics that we're seeing. The first time introductions to pornography are in before they're teenagers nowadays. I think it's like eight or nine is Mm -hmm. the average age. And we know that we live in a highly sexually driven society and world through everything from social media to billboards and everything in between. So the question behind the question, we pray that you would allow God to speak to your heart, to your situation and meet you where you are at. And one of the cool things is that we can look at Proverbs. Proverbs is a book full of encouragement and wisdom and just insight of how we as believers can look at our life, how we can look at the word of God and unpack and live it out each and every single day. So Proverbs 25, 28 simply says this, whoever Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Wow. And take that in for a second. (laughs) Wow is right. You know, when you look at ancient cities, when this text was written Mm -hmm. in the time of Proverbs, Mm -hmm. the, the writer knows that a city's walls is its defense mechanism. Right. And it's actually like, it's, it's how you protect yourself. It's the welfare of the city. And so much is at stake with those guardrails, those walls mm-hmm. that, that protect the, the important things on the inside and the important people. And I look at my own life. And for a second, I remember a meeting with a mentor over breakfast and we had coffee, shared a meal together. And he had one of those questions that seemingly came out of nowhere. But he pointed out that there's a very real enemy of Mm -hmm. our soul. Satan, the devil prowls, scripture says, like a roaring Mm -hmm. lion seeking to devour, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And my mentor said like, hey, Josiah, if you were the devil, how would you take Josiah out? And I think you should just pause there. Like if you're driving or you're on the treadmill right now, if you were the devil, how would how would he, how would you take yourself out? Sheesh. Take some time to reflect on that. Satan knows our weaknesses, right? And God knows our weaknesses, but we can find strength in God in that process. And Josiah, what did that person, or how did you like process that when you were asked that, like, what was your response? Did you answer? First of all, my job, (laughs) I picked my job off the ground because I was speechless and I just didn't know I was shocked. Like I was stunned. I never considered that before, Mm. but then I, like my mind just kind of went into like processing mode for a second. I thought deeply, I didn't just spit out an answer. I did what you said to the listener, like process this for a second, sit on this one for a second. And I be strategic if you were the enemy. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought about my life and I thought like, man, where are some chinks in the armor? The Bible talks about like, we are not 
victims. We're actually victors. Mm -hmm. So this battle begins in our minds. And so I was just encouraged Mm -hmm. in my own heart and spirit to not be on a defense. Don't back down into a corner. Don't view myself as the victim because Satan's had the same three strategies, steal, kill, destroy, go after people's sexuality and their purity, go after people's money Mm -hmm. or their love of money, or go after people's you know, power or authority. And and so it's usually those three areas is how Satan peels people off. Like you think of the lion peeling off a gazelle on animal planet. That's what Satan's seeking to do. And when he gets you alone, but instead to go on the offense, that's Mm -hmm. what this question in this frame of mindset is helping us have a victor mentality. And Mm -hmm. so I began to look at the full armor of God, but just recognize like, man, if mm-hmm. I'm honest, there's some times where I take off my, the, the helmet of salvation and I'm, I'm, I'm like on the battlefield, I'm on the battlefield <laughs> as, as I'm just waiting to be destroyed. Right. And so I need to check out where are the chinks in my armor mm-hmm. and practically super practically what this mentor revealed through just asking mm-hmm. a really hard question mm-hmm. is three things practically that I think we can all apply today. Well, I think even when you're on enemy lines, like you link arms with each other, exactly. Right? And I think that first one kind of alludes to that fact that we are on the winning team. If you're a believer in Christ, you better believe that you are on the winning team, but you also are in a battle. The war has won, but the battles are still happening, right? So when you link arms with each other, Josiah, what is that first thing that they should do? And I think this kind of alludes to that. Yeah, the first thing is get out of isolation and into community. And what I mean specifically is have accountability partners. Mm -hmm. We're calling everybody in this generation to get out of isolation Good. find godly community and more specifically the type of community that's real and vulnerable and transparent and authentic and self-aware to say here's mm-hmm. where my weaknesses mm-hmm. are and i need you to keep me accountable i'm afraid yeah. of you maybe you're my mentor maybe you're a few stages older right. maybe you have wisdom or gray hair but that first <laughs> thing is accountability partners the second thing is to have some walls built up mm-hmm. have some have some guardrails And then the third thing is to have some practically, like whether it's your device or your, your laptop, or maybe it's a tablet or, I mean, your TV or your streaming devices or accounts have somebody else on those with some accountability software. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think number one, I just want to go accountability partners, find people that are not struggling with the same thing you're struggling with, because the last thing you want is 10 young women or 10 guys, like I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, the person I'm dating in pornography, let's be accountable to each other. Hey, that never works. They all start falling off and dropping like flies. And there always seems to be one lone person saying, am I the only one strong enough to, you know, I can't hold us all together. And the second one is guardrails. I think about when you go bowling and you see when a kid is trying to bowl and put the bumpers up, having those bumpers and guardrails helps you hit a strike and win every time. It helps you at least hit a pin to move forward in the game of bowling, but also in the game of life. So get your guardrails up. The third one is covenant eyes. With technology right now, we can put it on our phone and it literally will stream to every other device that is within the cloud or whatever you're streaming in and through. They should be put into play. And And maybe that person that you put on the covenant eyes or the accountability software, maybe if you're married and listening, maybe it's your spouse, of Mm -hmm. course, maybe it's your accountability 
accountability partner, maybe your small group leader yeah. or your Chi Alpha pastor or somebody that you fear as a mentor in your life. Yeah. And I just want to share a personal story because we just want to be real about who we are as well. Yeah. And Josiah and I, we, 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 started watching this show. Well, he started watching. I was like, I'm going to check it out too. And by the second episode, I was just kind of cringing. I was like, mm-hmm. just like, can we have a hard conversation? And he's like, sure. Like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, I've just realized that this show that we've kind of started watching together is not necessarily funny. It's not friendly, <laughs> family friendly. It's kind of sketchy. It's a little promiscuous. And I'm like, they're as the season goes on or as the episode went on episode two and I'm like, Whoa, hello. Like, I don't want this to be a chink in our chain of our armor of our marriage to become something that we find ourselves going down a darker path, even though it wasn't anything nasty or crazy. But to me, I'm like, this is one baby step towards desensitizing my soul to my spouse. This is one baby sense, baby step sent desensitizing ourselves in our marriage to the world versus to the heart of Christ. And so we had the conversation and I was like, maybe you feel differently, but this is what I feel as a woman in this relationship. Do you feel differently? And we both came to the same conclusion of like, you know what, this is not family fun. It's not family friendly. And it's not something we thought how it was portrayed versus how it came out. I'm like, I just don't think we should open up this door or continue this in any way, yeah. shape, and form. And if it's so, not leading us towards Christ, right. it's giving Satan potentially a foothold. It's been yeah. said before that if you give the enemy an inch, he'll oh. gladly take a mile. Every time. He'll gladly take a mile. And so that we're not preaching a message of legalism here right. at all. In fact, John 3, 6 says it this way, um, not legalism by any means, not condemnation. What mm-hmm. it is though, is John 3, 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh, mm-hmm. but spirit gives birth to spirit. And I remember being in supergroup when I was in high school with other athletes and we would stay after for a workout and the coach, he said, Hey, there's two identical dogs. Today's mm-hmm. trivia question is, um, which dog is going to grow? And we're all stumped. Like, I didn't know the answer, which dog is going to grow. They're from the same litter. I have no clue. I don't have any dogs. They don't have any pets. And the coach comes back in and he goes, the answer is it's the one that you feed. Mm. They're identical. So flesh and spirit, flesh gives birth to to flesh, spirit gives birth to mm-hmm. spirit. So what are we feeding in our minds, right. in our thought life, in our habits, mm-hmm. in our lives? Because when you look at the world around us, right. the plants that you feed and water, right. they grow. The plants that you starve, they die. Yeah. Anything that you feed grows, any any human that you starve ultimately dies. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the ways that God has created the mm-hmm. world around us in nature. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. Yeah. I think if you're a non-believer listening to this and you're like what in the world is flesh give birth to the flesh like what does that mean that's meaning our sinful fleshly desires right. that we want to give into that temptation give into that person give into that act give into that watch give into whatever and as a believer we we know that that may come out but there's something inside of us that says hold up is that bringing me closer to God or closer to the ways of the world? And I think those are things that we need to come to grips with is like, we need to be 
reminded that we are, our bodies are the temple, right? And what we put in our bodies, what we see, what we watch and what we, what we say definitely is a representation of what's taking place inside or what is maybe harnessed or unharnessed potential um, of sin or potential of breakthrough within us. Right. And so we can also look at first Corinthians 10, 13, and it simply says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, you will also provide a way. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And I think sometimes we challenge that as a believer and as a human, like we try to find the out, the loophole. Um, If it's okay for you, then maybe it's not okay for me. Like we try to justify our actions at times. And I think sometimes if we go, what book is it when it talks about James? Is it James? James, the half brother of Jesus. So the first chapter of James, it talks about temptation and testing. And sometimes we're like, well, God's testing me or God's tempting me. Okay. We have to be very careful of the verbiage that we use there because what actually tempts us as humans and as individuals is not God tempting us. It's our own selfish desires that can lead us into situations, relationships, circumstances that maybe we should have never been into. That's the flesh crying out. That's the, I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. I'll just settle. I'll just, you know, one more hookup and I will never do it again. One more look and I'll never click again. So we try to justify our actions and say that we blame God, but in reality, it's the untamed desires in our heart that we haven't put before the cross of saying, God, like I need your help. And you need, I had a prayer, Lord, tame my heart in singleness. So I don't do anything that I'm going to regret later. Me, Micah. And maybe that's a prayer that you adopt of Lord, tame my heart because the desires that I had weren't bad. They were just not within the season that I was in, right? Like they should be saved for marriage. They should be with your, your future spouse. And we don't want to run rogue in our hearts, our minds, and our souls when God's asking us to harness all that in, not hold it all in, but ask him to bring it forth in due time when he brings that person and that wedding date. <laughs> That's good, Micah. And I'm, I'm reminded of like the neuroplasticity of the mm. brain and the neurological wiring right. that sometimes people ask the question like, Okay, first of all, I'll take this head on because sometimes people will push back against a talk like this to say, well, I'm not hurting anybody by Mm. clicking on a website or by looking at porn or whatever. And I would just push back against that for a second to say that, you know what, that is real people. That is somebody else's life and any click, any search, Mm. it actually perpetually advances Mm. the dominion and the rule and the reign of the industry that is pornography, that is billions of dollars. And then that keeps people locked into captivity Mm -hmm. of their life, of their struggle Mm -hmm. with, you know, that whole industry. And then I think the second thing is that sometimes people ask like, why is, well, and and experts have done studies that find that pornography is actually as addictive as any drug or substance known to humankind. Mm -hmm. And the reason is in our mind, our mind, Craig Rochelle says that our lives Mm -hmm. move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's good. That's true. So what we're looking at, that's what, that's what we walk towards, what we're thinking about. That's what we act like. Mm -hmm. And Romans then in 
Romans 12, one and two talks about be renewed Mm -hmm. in your mind, be transformed through the renewing. Don't be conformed to the ways of this world or Mm -hmm. culture, but be renewed in Christ, in our thinking. And he's talking about the neurons Mm -hmm. that actually form pathways in our brain chemistry that build habits. Right. So this is a tough Mm -hmm. habit to break. And we're not saying a message of condemnation. We're also not saying try harder or do more. We're saying be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I think transformation in and of itself is, it's it's a beautiful process. And listen to the word I use. I use this, it's a process. And some people are healed and they're delivered of something like one prayer and they, they, you know, never have a suicidal thought again, or they don't do, you know, whatever they've been healed of ever again, or they have a physical healing and they've never experienced, you know, back problems in their entire life once again. So I would just say like transformation, in my opinion, is a process. Yeah. And it starts with us coming to the foot of the cross and recognizing like, I'm in need of a savior. That's good. And we just want to say like, if you're listening, you're a non-believer and maybe you are a believer and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, that we can do the salvation prayer. You can rededicate your life to the Lord. You can say, Lord, I just don't want you to have my heart. I want you you take my whole life, body, mind, and soul. Every decision I make, I want to make it with you in mind and bringing you into the center of that through prayer, through um, processing of the word of God, yeah. and just bring those people into my life within the church, mentoring, discipleship that can help me navigate what things mean in the word of God. How do I become more like Christ. And listen, it's not becoming a better person. If we start praying, Lord, make me more like you, we will naturally become a better person. We will have a soft, tender spirit. Our minds will want to be fixated on him and our actions will show what is taking place inwardly. And we know that even if you think about baptism, baptism is a external um, proclamation of an inward transformation that has changed me. And like, I've decided to turn away from my wicked ways or my lustful ways or my selfish flesh, you know, whatever in ways. And I want to recognize that I'm in need of a savior. That's good. And I need to be mindful that God can do all things. He can redeem, he can restore, he can revitalize, and he can rejuvenate aspects of your soul, your mind. He can take memories and remove them from your memory bank. If you feel like this is an addiction for you, if pornography has become a daily routine or a weekly tradition or ritual in your Mm -hmm. life, we want to see God come in and completely revitalize, restore, and just blow the hinges off the expectations that maybe you've placed on him thinking that you're a lost cause. You're not a lost cause because God has plans for you. And you just need to come to him first and foremost, through the gift of salvation. There's only one thing that's free in this life. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no contingency plan that everything has been paid for. Your life has merit in the kingdom of God. And you just need to know that you are seen, you are chosen, you are adored, and you can experience the freedom when you accept him and start acting in a place of victory versus victim. And I don't know if you want to say anything, Josiah, to follow that up. Yeah. You were talking as we prepared for this episode about how the only thing that gets sweeter actually into our life and into eternity is the Christian soul. Mm-hmm. the soul that's surrendered and submitted to the Lordship right. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you have a bright future in Jesus. And if you want to take that first step right. and to say, you're Jesus, you're my Lord, 
you're my savior. I'm surrendering to you. You're in charge. Mm -hmm. Will you lead my life? Mm -hmm. Or if you want to take that next step in your faith, you can visit www.fyi-podcast.com and click on next steps. And we Mm -hmm. have some ways that you can follow Jesus to to help resource you in your walk with God. We also, of course, want to help you find a local campus ministry, maybe a small group like Chi Alpha to be a part of and some some people to move out of isolation and finding godly community like accountability partners. We want to help you take those next steps and to find a local church near you. So those things are resources on the website. And before we close, I'm just reminded of the gospel. I'm reminded of how this isn't a message of condemnation Mm -hmm. or try harder. This isn't behavior modification. The gospel is about soul transformation. Yeah. Say it one more time. This isn't a message of of behavior modification. Mm -hmm. This is about soul transformation. And we're excited to bring on uh, Pastor Ben Stewart from Washington, D.C. with Passion City Church, Washington, D.C. Yeah. He is one of your favorite and our favorite authors and pastors. He wrote yeah. a book yeah. called Single, Dating, Engaged, mm-hmm. Married. And you can check out this clip. It was originally aired from our interview on Young Adults Today podcast with Pastor Ben Stewart. I love the word even just break breakaway because there are many individuals who could be listening today that want to break away from singleness and step into uh. dating, engagement, and marriage. And hopefully they don't get to marriage and hopefully they don't want to break away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but then you wrote, honestly, one of my favorite books. I love the topic of purity and relationships and the statistics and research and finding that you had... Um, put in your book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married, Navigating Love or Life Plus Love in the Modern Age. I actually bought this at a passion conference and I read it on the plane. I'm a slower reader, but when I cruise through this, I'm like, everything's highlighted and Josiah and I just got married and he still did not understand why I marked up every single book. Like he's like pristine condition. I'm like, dude, no, you got to read this book. So Ben, I want to go there with you with this book because obviously this is a huge passion point um for anybody leaving the home like you said they're moving out they're getting roommates they're in constant transition there is there's lust there's love there's desires there's hormones there's decisions good and bad that are going to put them on a road of um, beauty or success in god's eyes and his will or take them down a devastating journey of like redemption has to happen healing has to happen and Um, For those of uh, our listeners who are single and maybe wanting to be married someday, what can they do today that their future self and their future spouse will thank them for later? Oh, man, that's a great question. You know, I I would say um, two things. You know, Paul, both from the Apostle Paul, who was single. uh, The first one was, he said... um, to young Timothy, who was even younger and single, he said, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in this, because in doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. So he's telling young Timothy, he's like, hey man, be a student of what you believe. Like use this single season to really know God better than you know him, and be a good student of yourself and be a student of you because you're gonna need self-awareness to have healthy human interaction. So he's telling wow. Timothy, be, be, be attentive to the Lord and be attentive to you. Where do you struggle? What are your insecurities? Get some people around you that can help you see him. 
He says, persevere in that because you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Hearers meaning people that you influence. He's like, the more knowledge of God and self-knowledge you can have, the better you're going to be as you intersect with other human beings. So Mm -hmm. I would just say, use your singleness. And there's the other quote, like Paul said to the Corinthians, that it's to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. Just get really good at being close to the Lord because the closer you are to him, the more you're like him. And the more you like him, the more it will be pleasurable to be around you mm-hmm. because Jesus was honest. You never had to worry about him lying to you. Jesus was gracious. You never had to worry, will he ever forgive me? You know, he is what everyone would want in a spouse in terms of the manifestation of his character. And so I would just say the best thing you can do to your husband and wife is get to know your maker really, really well, because you won't get that relationship with a guy or girl, right? Till you get that relationship with God, right? You really won't. You'll just make a mess of it. So that's that so, would be my you, encouragement. That's lovely. And you actually wrote about that in your book. You use the terminology maker. And Ben, I'm looking at the book right now. And I'd highlighted this three-fourths of the pages in bright yellow. <laughs> and there's some sure. stars and there's a lot of stuff going on on my behalf on here. But I want to share with the audience, maybe that you can elaborate on this. And you talk about how Paul stated, and these are your words as I read aside from the Bible, obviously, in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7, that says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. He continued in verse 34, the unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. So let me ask you the critical question. This is your question you're posing. Does this define your singleness? And you go on to write, if this does not define your singleness, then you are doing singleness wrong. And the reason why what really hits me is a paragraph after that, you had, you've had you said, if you're frustrated or bitter in your singleness, it may be because you are missing the point of why you are single. It is like playing basketball without a ball. Crazy. And you know what I mean? And, and that hit me because I know for me, when I was in my early 20s, until I got married at age 30, there was a season where I was very bitter and I was very angry and very frustrated by the fact of looking around at all my friends, godly and ungodly, getting a gift of marriage. Now, whether that gift became a curse for some of them or a gift truly became a blessing from the Lord, um, I saw both of that happen. So I became to be very thankful for God not answering some very selfish prayers (laughs) early on while praying for my future spouse. Can you just share like How do we, as the listener, if you're single, maybe dating or maybe even engaged, how do you work through prior to your marriage, prior to maybe even dating or putting a ring on it, working through that frustration or that bitterness or wherever you want to go there? Does that make sense? Can you like just encourage the listener who's just like, dude, I'm called to ministry. How can I do it alone? I need a spouse. And to not settle in the process, I think is key, but I want to, if you be willing to go off script there. I'd love to hear your insight. Yeah. You know, I think one thing is I never want to shame anybody for having that longing because it's good. It's, it's not wrong to long to be married. Um, you know, when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, at last, this is bone <laughs> of my bone. There was a sense of like, oh, finally. And so, it, and that was pre-fall. So it's not wrong to long. And I never want someone to feel bad about that. I do think it's unhealthy to assume God owes me a spouse. That's, that's beyond, he doesn't owe us anything, you know? Uh, and so I always wanted to protect my heart from that. But I think trusting God enough to say, if I can trust you with my eternal salvation, I can trust you with this longing. I got to give it to you. Good. Then what you discover is 
you know, what Viktor Frankl said about the meaning of life. You know, he said people could survive. The, the ones that survived Nazi concentration camps were the ones who had a sense of meaning. Because mm. that really is the, the greatest longing in a human heart is for intimacy and impact. Those are the two longings. I want intimacy. I want to be known. I want to be careful. I want to be loved. And then I want impact. I want a life that has purpose and meaning and reason. And what I find in singleness is people don't know the point. And that's why it gets so frustrating, so discouraging. I'm just supposed to like go to another day party, hang out with this other person, go to another dinner. What am I even doing here? Make some money, I guess. Pursue a career. Will it make me happy? It hasn't seemed to be working for these guys. But for me, when I was single and discovered, no, God has purpose for this. And I can go to bed every night knowing I fulfilled the purpose, not just of Ben's life, but of singleness. Like singleness has a purpose and I can fulfill that. That was so satisfying. I was just like, man, I didn't realize how impactful that was for me. And I remember for me, you know, it was 26, 27, when that dawned on me, it was the first time anyone ever asked me to speak anywhere. And it was at a singles ministry. And they're like, what do you want to talk about? I was like, I'm gonna talk about singleness. And the guy's like, don't do it. I'm like, what do you mean don't do it? And he was like, they don't wanna hear it. They don't wanna hear you talk about it. They're all bitter about it, angry about it. Don't bring it up. And I was like, no, man, I wanna talk about God's given us a beautiful purpose for singleness. The wow. season. Trust. Yeah, and, and I want to leverage all the benefits of the season before it closes, because it will close, mm -hmm. but it has some benefits, and I want to leverage them. And that message resonated with people. And for me, it was the first time of going, hey, I think this is a thing. I think, I think people long for meaning, and they maybe don't even realize that's a deep, deep longing, mm -hmm. and your singleness has purpose. You grab that, that's pretty motivating. Right. That is unbelievably spot on. Ben, I, I just really appreciate the kind of the two lanes or two directions. It's almost like two sides of a highway or a byway. One's going one direction and it's aimless. Mm -hmm. So many people are in the stratosphere of aimless. Mm -hmm. And the other, yeah. the other path that is an invitation is the invitation to an intentional, purpose-filled pursuit of purity, mm -hmm. passion of Christ. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I just think that People, like you said, at a singles ministry or in college, in young adult ministry, if we don't talk about it at the church or at a young adult ministry, mm -hmm. they're going to learn about it on Netflix and they're going to binge watch whatever scenes they want. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to like, okay, if we don't put it on our podcasts, they're going to go on whatever apps they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think that like this aimless side is one choice. And this intentional side is the other. And like, as leaders, I pray that we get the call and we pick up the mantle from you really to like, we need to lean in and double down on this and not just allow people to just go aimless because Christ is intentional. Paul was intentional. Mm -hmm. Timothy was intentional. Right. And so in your book, the thing that stood out to me is you talk about four distinct seasons mm -hmm. and we're from Minnesota. There's four distinct seasons here. <laughs> it's, That's great. We love it. We love Minnesota. No, winter and construction. There's two seasons. <laughs> we love <laughs> four seasons. And, you know, you talk about each season has a purpose, Ben. Like singleness yeah. has a purpose. Dating serves a purpose. Engagement and marriage each have a purpose. Right. Could you dive into like a 30,000 foot overview of maybe like each one of those seasons and the purposes they serve? Yeah, man, 100%. Yeah, so singleness, if I could distill into a word, you know, singleness, I would say exists for devotion. That's the word. And I get that from Paul as he was talking about his singleness. You know, he said, uh, I wish you were like me, unmarried. He said, not to, not to 
put a noose around your neck, not to hurt you, but to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. So for me, that was so liberating as a single person. My job is to get good at my primary relationship, to be devoted to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I used it to be attentive to his word and to his work. Let me leverage all this free time to get to know him really well. And even today, man, people ask me, um, man, you seem to have this grasp of scripture in these categories this way. How did you do it? Did seminary teach that? I'm like, no, it was lingering long with the Lord in my singleness, man. Mm -hmm. That's really where all these seeds were planted. Uh, and then dating, I would say, exists for evaluation, which that's where you get some pushback in Christian circles. They're like, well, dating's not a biblical concept. And that's true. You don't see anybody dating in the Bible, but you see evaluating all over it. And especially in the wisdom literature, like Proverbs, you know, it's saying it's better to live on the corner of a roof than in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Like, that's not written to the married guy who already picked the wrong girl. That's written to the single person saying like, hey, man, watch this girl. Like, is she always got drama with her roommates? Is she always in some fight with someone on social media? Then you're not going to have peace in your home, man. And it says, hey, a guy without self-control is like a city without walls. You go, lady, watch his life. It, does he have no rein on his impulses? Is he completely given over to whatever lust is in his life? You'll never feel safe with him. So the Bible's constantly calling you in Proverbs to evaluate this other person before you link up your life. So I found that most people look at dating like a, a status to sit in. They're like, I guess I'm single, so I'm watching TV, going mm. to work, bop, bop, bop. Oh, you're hot. I guess we're supposed to fool around. I don't know. And there's just an aimlessness to it. You go, right. no, it's not a status to sit in for years and years and years. Actually, data's coming out of this generation. That, that's it's really it hurting each other emotionally to linger in a nebulous undefined space it's bad weird just evaluating our life or not because engagement is ultimately about union or merging our lives merging our families merging our finances and which ultimately leads to marriage which i would suggest marriage is not just looking into one another's eyes to find meaning, but it's linking hands and saying, we're running together and the purposes God has for us. You know, we, we really only get one marriage to look into in the New Testament. And it's Priscilla and Aquila, whose entire marriage was on mission. That's the word I'd use for marriage. Man, they, it was just the two of them linked hands, making a massive difference for the church in its birth. And so my wife and I are the happiest we've ever been the most connected and close and intimate we've ever been. And it's because our lives are on mission together. You know, we, we sit and talk for hours, even now, just so far into marriage, because it's endlessly interesting when you're both running after the same goal together, different gifts, different ways to earn an income, but same passion, same goal for the glory of God. And you get someone that you're lockstep in the biggest issues of life. We're on mission together, man, that's when it just is fun. You don't yeah. run out of stuff, you know? Right. I think Josiah and I experienced that. We just had a conversation the other night and we're like, how do we get to do this? Like, how do we get to do what God's call us to do and love it so much? You know what I mean? And to love each other and yeah. to grow. And granted this month, we've only been married for three years, but it's like so much can happen right. in three years. And 
and the intimacy begins with singleness, intimacy with God, intimacy um, in conversation, you know, when the time is right um, to have those challenging conversations of dating, putting a label on it, being engaged and still guarding your heart and then becoming married and experiencing a deeper level of intimacy. And that is obviously sex. And a lot of people, they squirm at that thought or it's such a, a, a word of taboo right. or they talk so openly about it. There's like no shame. And what do you wish, this is a question that Josiah and I have, what do you wish that every young adult knew about sex just in general or anything along those lines? Oh gosh. Yeah. One thing. Um, Maybe you have a couple. You I would, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, sex is one thought is it is deeply about union. And I think in our culture today, there was such a pressure and really it was back into the 60s, 70s, 80s, a pressure to divorce sex from emotional intimacy and the commingling of our lives and our relationships and our thoughts and a separating of it. But physiologically that doesn't work, you know? And so now studies are out where you're like, Hey man, sex doesn't just release dopamine, which is the happy chemicals. And that's fun. It also releases oxytocin, the hormones that promote bonding like a totally. mom with a child. And that's where you go, okay, we're discovering chemically what Paul told us in scripture. Like, Hey, if you're sleeping around, you're hurting you. You're doing violence against your own body. You're not meant to have a complete donation of your body while simultaneously trying to hold back your emotional life because this person may not be safe. Right. That's a tragedy. And um, I think for me, it was confusing when I was young because it was always like, don't have sex. Why? Just because you're not supposed to. But I think when you realize you're like, no, God gave you this gift where you're supposed to say, I trust you with my life, mm -hmm. with my heart. You don't just want parts of me you can use. You want all of me. That safety of the covenant of marriage allows for a radical donation of body mm -hmm. and soul together. It's powerful. So I think people sometimes think Christianity is trying to diminish sex. And you go, no, Christianity is helping you see sex is so powerful. And it's a powerful gift God's given us for union. I'm binding myself with somebody. And when you try to make it a casual physical interaction, you're actually doing violence against your own soul. You're just not mm -hmm. built to do that. And you won't be happy that way. Christian or non-Christian, you will not be happy. You're not, you're not built to relate that way. Right. And we know that what happens in singleness, whatever decisions we make, if we don't deal with them in a healthy way in singleness, we bring that baggage into 100%. those that marriage and yeah. that becomes a wedge that the enemy loves to put between a couple before they're even married and becomes an, a playground. You give that enemy an inch, he will take a mile and just do a work on your marriage and just, you know, destroy anything that God is desiring to do. And, um, yeah, I just love yeah. the fact that you had said it's a union. It's bringing two people together. So they are truly one. And the visual that I uh, can't remember who told me this, but they're like, okay, Micah, you like to bake and you know, you know, you know how to separate eggs, you know, like you take out the yolk and then you have the whites. Now you scramble them together. And if you have to, after you scramble them together, can you separate them? The answer is no. And that's where that's what you talk about. You're physically connecting with them. You're emotionally, spiritually, physiologically, yeah. like all those different components come together. And I think that the sanctity of marriage 
um, has maybe not been expressed or demonstrated in the best possible way. It's like, no, it's dirty, it's nasty, just don't do it till you're married. Okay, save myself for something like that for someone I love. Like, just the terminology <laughs> we've heard throughout, the, like you said, throughout all that time, yeah. it's like, yikes, let's, can we have a better approach to that? But, yeah. You know, and Donna Freitas did a great um, study of college campuses and about the hookup culture, just casual sex. And in all of her interviews, she just, she was stunned by the heartache and loneliness and hurt. And so she said the line, I never forgot it. She said, this is a form of suffering. Mm. Just when she studied these college kids, she's like, they're suffering from this. this. This casual sex mentality has hurt young people and uh so that's where for me it comes from a compassionate place not a judgmental one i want something better for you, you know we love that we we want what's best for each other we want what's best for every young adult and that's what yeah. jesus came so that we could have a life mm-hmm. to the fullest to the most abundance and i think that's why we would recommend for every leader listening like pick up the book single dating engaged married you'll be glad you did you can You can thank Ben. You can thank us later for the recommendation. Well, I hope that you took something from Pastor Ben with singleness, dating, engagement, marriage. He has a lot of insight and he's a fun individual to kind of unpack some of those things. And I remember when I first got his book, we were actually at Passion. And I believe that I bought the book or we bought it. We might've been only engaged. No, we were were married. We were were early married. Yeah. It was our first year of marriage. And you guys, I'm not the fastest reader, but by the time the plane landed back home, I had read every single page and had highlighted, circled everything. So if you do not have his book and you want to find out more about him, check it out, start reading, start highlighting, start getting right with the Lord in a sense of Lord, purify my heart, open up my eyes, deliver me from whatever I'm struggling with. And Lord, we just want to make you the Lord in the center of everything that we say and do. So thank you for checking us out today. Once again, this is Micah and Josiah Keneally with FYI podcast, where we talk about faith, life, and adulting. If you have any questions, be sure to get them in and hopefully we can unpack them for you. Yeah. It might be a follow-up to this conversation Mm -hmm. or the relationship series. It might be something on life, faith, or adulting. We're taking your questions on Instagram DMs and on our website. Mm -hmm. And of course we want to give credit where credit is due. And Mike Miz is a musical artist, a friend of ours, and he's pioneering a brand new Chi Alpha campus ministry at Black Hills State University in South Dakota. He wrote the song that we use. Mm -hmm. It's called Reach the Next. We use it on our intro and outro of the FYI podcast. We're really grateful. And next week, we will be diving into a brand new series on career and calling. So maybe you're looking for that internship, that dream job, or Mm -hmm. ultimately a career. We want you to understand God's calling on your life. We're going to be unpacking this question that was submitted. It is, how can I tell? How can I tell the difference between God's vision for my life and my own dreams and desires? So until next time, get ready, share this episode with a friend. Please leave us a review and we'll see you next time.